Welcome to SickCast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. This episode of the SickCast is from a live webinar that originally aired on August 21st, 2021. Thank you for joining today's webinar hosted by the Sick Research Institute. This webinar will begin with a 40-minute moderated discussion between our two panelists, after which we will have 40 minutes of Q&A from the audience. So please drop your questions in the chat box as the conversation goes on, uh, and please be sure to include your name and city. Now I'd like to introduce you to today's panelists. First, we have Dr. Shimmy Kang. Um, she is an award-winning Harvard-trained psychiatrist, researcher, media expert, and international keynote speaker. She's a clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia and the number one best-selling author of The Dolphin Parent, The Self-Motivated Kid, and The Tech Solution, Creating Healthy Habits for Growing Up in a Digital World. Uh, Dr. Kang is most proud of receiving the Diamond Jubilee Medal for her years of outstanding community service and of being the mother of three awesome and exhausting children. And we have Inikor. Inikor is, is the creative director at the Sick Research Institute. She has served Sikri in several capacities since 2010, including chair of the board and most recently a CEO. She is a passionate author, poet, and artist. Her published works include Journey with the Gurus, a children's book series that is inspired by the life and teachings of Guru Nanak Sahib, Saki Time with Naniji, Thank You Vaheguru, Daddy's Turban, and The Story of Us. And unfortunately, due to a personal loss, Dr. Dr. Jasjeet Gore will not be able to join us today. Um, and we are sending her our best wishes during this time. Now I'll pass it on to Inikor. Thank you, Manbinder, for this wonderful and warm introduction and welcome. And Shimi, I'm, uh, Dr. Kang, I must say, you know, when uh, Manbinder said uh, three wonderful teenage teens, and she said exhausting. I think I, I got that. Yes, they are wonderful, but they are exhausting, and you have three of them. So welcome to the show, Dr. Kang. We are privileged and honored that to have someone like you be on the Secrets platform to talk about this very important topic. I can't tell you since the last six months or so, the amount of calls that I have been receiving personally. Right. That, uh, you know, parents are very concerned. Two things, you know, about the screen time and also about mental health. So now that I have you as the expert, I'm going to pick your brain. So right off the bat, that's what I'm going to tell you, uh, that that's going to happen. But let's set the stage, you know, what what this is, what this conversation and what, where am I going with this? You know, in today's world, children grow have grown up with a vast array of electronic devices, you know, and they are at their fingertips. I don't think the children can imagine a world without uh, smartphones, tablets, and the internet. I mean, growing up, we had one black and white TV, which was which was only uh, the programming was only for a certain amount of time, and that was it. You mm -hmm. know, one telephone for the house. So this is where we have come so far. And then now, compounded that this past year, 
people of all ages, including myself, we have spent a significant more time living through our screen. And, you know, in many cases, it's okay because it isn't a choice that we have, you know, it's a necessity. Schools have gone on, gotten online, there's remote learning. I mean, all our work has gotten online. And I'm sure yours has also, to a certain extent, a significant extent, got on there. So there's, there is recognition, yes, that is happening. Yeah. But on the flip side, this advance in technology, I feel we are the first generation, the, the parents of this generation are the first generation who have to figure out how to limit this screen time for children. We don't know how to do it. Uh, you know, we understand that digital devices can provide endless hours of entertainment and educational value. There's a flip side too. And this particular webinar, um, Dr. Kang, I must say was, you know, pushed me to do this was because I read, um, I recently read a Pew re a research from the Pew Research Center. They put out a report and they said in their report, it was like 63% of parents with school-age children are worried uh, you know, about the screen time now than before the uh, before the virus. And they're also worried about the children's ability to maintain friendship and social connections and about their emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. You are a physician, educator, and much more. What are the changes that you have seen and experienced in the last couple of years? And can you speak to that? So then, you know, then I can ask you some deeper questions. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it is just a pleasure to be here with uh, Sikri. And thank you for all the wonderful work um, that the Sikh Research Institute does and all your wonderful work as well, Innie. I actually have your painting. It's usually right behind me here, but I recently changed it because my children made me a, a painting for Mother's Day. Uh, but I've had your beautiful painting uh behind me when I've gone on the national news and I've gone on international news and it's there for the world to see. And I've really, it's given me so much um, solace and confidence knowing I have the ache of God behind me uh, that uh, that was part of your work. So uh, yes, yeah, so screens, pandemic, kids, uh, you know, first off, I think just, I want to highlight my role as a mother. Um, I have, just to kind of put it in frame, I have a 15-year-old um, son who's going into grade 11. Uh, he has ADHD and written output, um, a learning difference, and uh, technology has been very interesting for him because on one hand, uh, he needs it for executive functioning and his calendar and his alarm and all kinds of uh, tools, but at the same time, uh, and we know kids with ADHD and, and mental health issues are also more prone to um screen addiction and getting in trouble with screens. Um, so uh, that's my oldest son. I have a middle son, uh, Javer Singh, and he's uh, turning 14 next week. Uh, and I have a daughter, Gia, who's 11, um, and she has dyslexia, actually. Uh, and so again, screens and Google Read and Write um, and uh, dyslexia font um, have been vital to her education. So I think what I want to start with is this, you know, we want to really be clear um, not to be anti-tech. Um, we want to understand that uh, what I say and in my research and in my book, The Tech Solution, I open up the first chapter and I say that technology is the fire of our time. Uh, what I mean by that is 
there was a moment in human history where we, when we were hunter gatherers, we had uh, learned to, to harness the power of fire. Um, and those who taught their children how to do it well um, and did it well themselves went further and farther than ever before. Um, and those who didn't uh, got burnt and could have easily burnt down the village. Uh, and I say right now in our world, um, this is the fire of our time. Uh, this, this is such a powerful device. Um, and it is, uh, I really wanted to use that, that analogy so that we understand what we're dealing with. Um, we're dealing with something that can um, leap us forward um, to, in progress and advancement and um, accessibility and equalization and, and literally help solve some of the major issues that are we're facing in humanity um, if we use it well um, in service of our health, happiness um, and innovation and success. Or if we don't, um, what we know now is technology is linked to Numerous things. Um, so we know that uh, it is linked. So this is correlated, not causing, uh, linked to anxiety, uh, depression, body image disturbance. Um, now, gender is not binary, but we know that the body image disturbance and the perfectionism is seen more in young girls and women. Uh, we know that uh, screens are linked to myopia, meaning nearsightedness. So um, eyesight difficulties, uh, obesity as well. Um, at sleep disturbance and um, the most fundamental deficits in social skills, uh, including um, the, uh, the, the, the skill of empathy, um, you know, we're seeing um, going down in young people because um, empathy is built when we look at each other, when we see each other, when we hear each other's voices. Um, and so just the physical barrier of the screens is one aspect. And then there's um, the time that's being spent on screens. Uh, prior to the pandemic, the average teenager was checking their phone 150 times a day um, and spending six to seven hours on devices that's outside of school um, or homework. So, uh, you know, the the links here are across the board um, in terms of uh, how it's impacting us. Uh, and oh, one I didn't even mention is uh, addiction. Uh, so internet addiction disorder and gaming disorder are now medical diagnoses. Um, these are, um, you know, medical conditions. Uh, and the rates of loneliness have been going up um, in correlation with the, uh, when the iPhone reached 50% uh, household saturation, particularly in the United States, uh, uh, scientists and, and researchers were able to track the rise in loneliness that correlated with that. Um, and just to put it in context with what you said, it took about 35 to 40 years for the television to reach 50% of uh, house, American households. And it took less than eight years for the mobile phone to reach. So it was a very rapid disruption in our daily mm -hmm. lives, um, a very rapid disruption in uh, what um, the home life looked like, what the school life looks like. Uh, and um, it, it's really uh, not enough time, right, to adjust to this new thing. Many parents feel they've just been hit um, and are kind of in a daze um, and, and not really sure where to start uh, with what I say is um, one of the most important issues of our time uh, because of those links to mental health, um, addiction, loneliness, um, and uh, uh, so many other um, and drawbacks that we have with tech. You know, uh, I, mean, I love the fire analogy. It, it kind of put things in perspective because what you said was all of a sudden you understood it. 
Yes, this is the fire. Let's use it wisely. How do we use it? I love that. So thank you for that. But you brought about, you know, you said your last uh, sentence was parents have don't, they're in a daze, they don't know. But parenting, honestly, uh, Dr. Kang, has gone through a dramatic change in the last, you know, 15, I think 15, 20 years. I don't know if it's just me, but today's world seems to be a lot more um, imbalanced. So in this imbalanced world where things are happening so rapidly, I mean, it is hard for a parent to keep track of, um, you know, how do we raise a balanced child? I mean, honestly, I'm just, I just got onto TikTok only because I needed to know what was happening because people were talking about, it. you've got to see, you know, you work with children, you do, you've got to be on that platform. and. It, you know, and I have been looking at that platform from a purely um, educational perspective. What is it? It seems to me, and I could be wrong, that it is all of a sudden we've become this generation of attention seeking. That if we don't get that, or we we seem to want that, is it seems to be like a, I would call it like a, a drug that we need. Right, whether it's good or bad, it's a different thing. But it's like something that we need, you know, help. What, what do you think? Right. Yeah. Well, I think you said exactly what it is. Um, in the sense of, uh, you know, I'll give some of the science behind the drug. Um, the drug really is our own neurochemistry. Um, it is something called dopamine. Um, and dopamine is a neurochemical reward that we get uh, for short-term pleasure. So um, the way I explain it, um, and my background is as an addiction psychiatrist. So I've spent a lifetime understanding uh, how the brain gets addicted and how to move it away from, from those habits, so motivation. Um, and so the currency of our motivation is something called dopamine. Um, and I say this is um, the sugar um, in our in our um, mind's diet, right? So we have a diet for our food, but we have a diet for our brain, our mind. Um, and dopamine is a sugar, meaning it's not all bad. Um, we do need little hits of pleasure. Um, and, you know, we get it from uh, certain things. Uh, we get it from, let's say, hunting, uh, competing, you know, it feels good to win. So we get a little hit of dopamine. Um, we get it from gathering behaviors, shopping, buying things, um, you know, eating, um, you know, little hits of dopamine, a little bit of uh, chocolate cake tastes good. Um, but, um, and superficial socializing as well, uh, which is quite different than social bonding. So the dopamine is like the sugar. It is something that um, the human brain likes and needs small amounts of um, in combination then with other healthy um, neurochemicals. And we'll get to those in a minute. But what's important and what you're saying is um, these devices are designed. Um, there's something called persuasive designed, uh, which is the purposeful embedding of manipulation of uh, human behavior to enhance how much dopamine is being released. Um, so uh, they're highly addictive uh, without being a drug in that sense, but it is how it's releasing um, a very powerful drug um, in our own brains. And so uh, it's uh, very much, I say, an unfair fight um, in the sense that we can't expect children to know how to manage these devices because on one hand, it is the most sophisticated neuroscience known to 
um, known to humanity right now. Um, that science is being used uh, in these platforms and devices. And on the other hand, you have a young, immature brain um, that's not fully developed till 23 to 25. Um, and so it's not a fair uh, relationship. Uh, and that's why we see that pull um, that you talked about that, um, uh, that um, you know, just it's a very powerful pull towards these devices uh, where you almost feel compelled. And I think even many adults will agree um, about that addictive nature. And I think we want to really highlight that, that this is not a We've never seen this before in human history. Mm. Um, the only closest analogy is sugar, uh, I think, in the food industry, where sugar has been used purposely um, to, you know, in, uh, enhance the palate or enhance the taste and to keep um, certain foods uh, addictive and keep us coming back for more. That's what dopamine does. So, you know, that's just a bit of the science. And I think I just want to put that out there so that people are not judging their kids or judging themselves and saying, wow, you know, I'm such a bad parent. My kids are addicted or I there must be something wrong with me because I check my phone. Um, you know, this is uh, uh, part of the human hardwiring um, and it's been um, uh, researched and utilized uh, for the benefit of uh, technology. Now, I do want to say I don't think the tech companies had a big conspiracy to, you know, to ruin a generation of kids, uh, but they did have, um, they do want to sell their products and, um, you know, like any industry wants to sell their products and they found a way to do it. They found a way to keep people uh, 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 connected um, and keep the eyeballs on the screen. Uh, so uh, that's, and also getting back to parenting in general, uh, mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. Parenting has changed. Uh, and uh, actually, in my first book, The Dolphin Parent, I really reviewed how parenting has changed uh, in one generation. And um, I say it's a true paradox. Uh, as parents, we've never had such conveniences. We've never been able to just go to the grocery store and buy what we want and click things at the, at, you know, at the hit of a button. Um, my parents certainly didn't have um, all of the conveniences I had. Uh, you know, I'm the youngest of five. My parents came from Punjab. My mom never went to school. She can't read um, any of my books because uh, she, you know, her reading level is uh, low in Punjabi only. Uh, and, you know, her, what they had to go through to raise kids was, is so much more, I would say, stressful than, than I. However, um, the research shows that um, parenting is more stressful than ever before, um, partly because I say there's a paradox um, in our world um, and we've really moved away from our balanced lifestyle. Uh, so, for example, almost 70 percent of young kids are chronically sleep deprived. Um, and that's because they're too busy. That's because they're in too many activities. That's because, you know, they're, they're, um, you know, they're going to school and then they have hockey and then they're staying up at night on their screens and then they're waking up and going to a tutor. Um, so something so basic like sleep, um, you know, we, uh, and I say simple is not easy. So, you know, my mom who didn't go to Harvard or have the education, she, she knew that we all had to sleep on time, um, you know, and, uh, you know, and even, uh, rituals like we we had to go to the Gurdwara on Sunday, and there was a a um, a tradition there, and you know there was the benefit of the sangat and going together. Whereas now we know families are more disjointed; they're having dinner in the car, they're rushing to an activity. 
Um, and uh, so we've seen a disintegration of um, the family unit and the community unit. Um, that's one big thing we've noticed in parenting. Um, that's why I use the metaphor of the dolphin. It was my effort to explain that we need to live in a community. We need to be socially bonded. Um, we need to have intergenerational relationships. Uh, we need to play. Kids need to play um, and uh, really get back to all the basics of life. So uh, parenting has changed in itself uh, uh, because our lifestyles have changed. Um, and then on top of that, technology um, is got this very powerful pull uh, uh, for our children and ourselves as parents. So we as parents are also now more distracted um, being pulled towards our phones. You know, uh, Dr. Kang, you said something, um, in, and, I, and I wrote it down. You said something like the, the brain uh, continues to, is not developed till the age of 23 to 25, right? That's not the common understanding. I mean, I, we also get a lot of, uh, thing, you know, so mental health, at 20, you know, you feel that, um, that the child is 18 and they know everything. But what you're saying, no, the brain is still developing at that time. And, uh, you know, 23, 25, speak to that because that's new for me too. Yes, absolutely. So I have my brains here. Uh, I keep uh, all kinds of models. And um, so, you know, the human brain, you can probably let me see where the lighting, there we go. That's probably pretty good. Um, so, you know, it's an amazing thing, really. And um, we have, uh, what's unique about the human brain is we have this frontal area called our prefrontal cortex. Um, and that's what makes us distinctly human. Um, this is our higher level thinking. We call it the neocortex. Uh, but this part, this entire region, which is responsible for things like uh, risk management, impulse control, planning, um, uh, delayed gratification, even empathy aspects, uh, all of that um, start to go through a process in uh, the tween years, starting around 12, and it continues until early uh, 20s, uh, where uh, there's pruning and neurons are wire, being wired and rewired, and um, it's a very uh, complex process, but we know that that doesn't really end the maturation aspect until early 20s, mid-20s, actually. Um, now, I, of course, gender is not binary, but we know in general that it could be um, around 23 um, uh, for, for girls and women and roughly a little bit later uh, for, for boys and men. Um, but that's, those are generalizations. I think the key is that um, it continues on. And that's where I tell parents, you know, if they have a 21-year-old, um, that you're not done. Um, you're not done. Um, and in fact, the human brain doesn't ever really finish uh, you know, it's never complete. We have this wonderful thing called neuroplasticity, meaning we can always learn and change um, and develop new habits. Uh, but uh, that's a really critical time. And we know that mental health issues are more likely to emerge um, between that age of 15 to 24. That's actually the highest um, uh, risk period uh, for mental health issues is those very formative years, those very active years of brain maturation. Well, you know, we've had we've had a few um, cases of within the community, you know, of um, suicide, young suicides, and they're in that age range which you talk about, you know, 
more on this uh, with the 18 to the 21, 22. Yeah, and these were amazing, um, you know, stars of the uh, of the community and very, as far as we could tell, you know, very much out there. So I guess the pressure of being the role models and however, and the loneliness that goes with that as well. So what advice would you give? You know, I mean, every parent that was listening and I'm also very much there is like, what are, what are the things that we need as parents or caregivers to watch out for when there's a behavior change in our child? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So, um, you know, I think we first have to recognize that this is common. Uh, one in four people on the planet, you know, have mental health, a diagnosable mental health issue. Um, and, you know, regardless of, you know, uh, culture, gender, socioeconomic category. Um, in fact, uh, we see sometimes, like you said, these stars um, are more prone um, because of the pressure, uh, pressure to perform and perfectionism. And technology also fits into that because uh, social media is a place of comparing your life to others. Um, and you see others fake your life and you think yours isn't enough. Uh, so that certainly contributes, uh, like I said, in, in that long list of all of the things, anxiety, depression, addiction are linked, correlated with um, technology use. So, you know, I think some basic things for families and parents is, like you said, a change in behavior um, and a change in some really basic stuff, sleep. Um, you know, if we're seeing some a change in sleep, we're seeing a change in social connection, wanting to uh, withdraw, a change in their interests and levels of activity. Um, so if they used to play soccer, they don't want to play soccer anymore. Um, and more of a draw to technology is part of that, um, because we know that um, the people who are more likely to get um, addicted to technology are more likely to actually have depression, underlying depression, anxiety, or some kind of mental health issue as well. Um, and I think I always tell families to trust their intuition. Uh, you know, it just sometimes there's nothing that's really clear, but you just have a feeling, you know, you think, you know, there, maybe there's something going on with my child. Um, and I think that's really important to just trust that, understand that, um, that's that inner voice. You know, that's why we need to have quiet and slow and mindfulness and meditate and do our body because that's when we can tap into that intelligence um, and that intuition, which is a science, by the way. Um, you know, we can uh, look at our child's face um, and our mirror neurons and aspects of our brain are, are processing what we're seeing. Um, and it tells us information that, oh, maybe something isn't right. And you're not sure. There's no quite, there's no specific thing that you could say, you just know, um, because you're paying attention and you're listening um, Mm -hmm. and you're listening to your intuition, you're observing. Uh, So, you know, and then I think the other thing is an increase in um, substance use as well. So alcohol, drugs, vaping, uh, all of this also went up during the pandemic, along with screen time uh, went up in the pandemic. Um, uh, What I call these are uh, behaviors that are part of the flight response of stress. Uh, So when we get stressed, we have freeze, fight, or flight. Um, Freeze is anxiety, perfectionism, procrastination. It's like the little blue circle in the computer going around and around. Um, That's more freeze, fight. We get irritable. We get angry. And flight, we want to mentally escape, right? Um, We want to fly away um, like a bird in nature. But we do that through our phones, um, through eating, through online shopping, through social media, 
through alcohol and substances, um, any kind of flight, watching Netflix too much. I do that all the time. Uh, so all of those behaviors have increased during the pandemic as well. Yeah, um, you know, I'm going to take a question here. Um, is it awesome information from Dr. Kang? Can't you share some tangible pieces of what families can do to help balance screen for pleasure versus learning, especially for learning diverse students? Sure, yeah. So I'm going to share my screen um, and show a slide that I hope will help uh, very practical um, you know, in a very practical way. Hold on, here we go. So I think you can see something called uh, the tech solution plate. Uh, let's show it full screen here. Um, so what I thought, um, you know, a good way for us to understand screens um, consumption, technology consumption, just like how we understand food. Uh, and we teach young people at a very early age, um, what's healthy food, what's junk food, what's the food to avoid? Well, we can do the same with technology. Uh, so, you know, the dopamine I mentioned, um, that's what we would call junk tech, okay? That is not, um, it's like junk food. A little bit is okay, a little bit of dessert, uh, a little bit uh, after you've had the healthy stuff. So we want to be careful of mindless entertainment, nothing wrong with gaming or social media, but just that mindless scrolling, zoning, zoning out. It's like eating a bag of chips, no real um, like uh, nutritional value, a lot of empty calories there. Um, we want kids to consume um, healthy tech and that's tech that can lead to self-care. Um, so, you know, exercise, um, sleep, Fitbits, there's so much positives on tech. Uh, I'm working on an app called Get Sparky, which teaches mindfulness, connection, uh, critical thinking, creativity um, through tech. So, uh, you know, we we know that tech can be very positive. It can lead to meaningful social connections, uh, just like this call today, this webinar, um, and you know, FaceTiming grandparents. Uh, tech can lead to creativity. So, um, creating photography, music, coding instead of kind of mindlessly watching. Mm -hmm someone else's TikTok video. Uh, so this is what we would say is healthy tech, tech that leads to self-care, connection, and creativity. You know, the neurochemicals here are endorphin, oxytocin, serotonin. We don't need to know those, but I do want to just say this is very much grounded in science, in neuroscience. Um, and we want to avoid toxic tech. That's any tech that leads to cortisol or stress. Um, so this is tech that promotes addictive behaviors, um, this fear of missing out, FOMO that kids talk about, comparing your life to others. Of course, bullying, cyberbullying um, has gone up in the pandemic. Uh, some studies report 800%. Um, and uh, hidden stressors, I say, are even just sitting for long periods of time. So, you know, that this metaphor, I'm hoping, like the food, um, is something that is familiar to parents, is something that we already know. So, you know, we can just take what we know and say, all right, we teach kids about food. Let's put the same um, uh, paradigm in. And we know that we have to start early, do it frequently. It's not just one conversation. It's multiple conversations. Uh, and then when they're teenagers, they eat more junk food. And then, but you have to have faith that the, the foundations are there. Um, so, you know, I think that's um, in one way, a practical way of looking at it. Uh, I think that the question was about neurodiverse. Um, so we, you have to be even more careful with neurodiverse because like I said, my two children who are neurodiverse, they rely on tech more. Um, and so, 
uh, on one hand, they're also more at risk. Uh, so it's really, it's not about screen time. It's really, we have to go further. Um, we have to go further and think of screen quality, screen consumption. What are the ingredients? Um, how do we differentiate these three types of tech? So I, I hope that kind of metaphor there, the plate um, and, and the diet can be helpful for people. Yep. Well, you know, having that food um, plate makes a lot of sense. You don't go for the dessert first. You go for, you know, the healthy stuff. Which uh, is the foundation and a little bit of dessert. But you mentioned something about cyberbullying. And, you know, I'm recalling in the last, I think in the last three months, I've had about, I would say, five calls from distraught parents that virtually saying, but they are home all the time. And yet, how is this happening? And it's a case of where. We, we as parents thought just because the children are at home, they're safe, but that's not the case. Right. No, not at all. Not at all. So um, first of all, cyberbullying, uh, I believe uh, it depends on the study, but um, some, some studies say between 40 and 60% of children and young people will say they've experienced it. Um, many say they've actually experienced it more, more likely from their own friend group. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also, um, the the science shows that it's just as distressing as real bullying in the sense, even though there is no physical, um, you know, no one's being pinned against the locker, um, like when we think of the bully, uh, but um, the impact in terms of um, cortisol and stress hormones and the psychological impact uh, uh, is uh, exactly the same, if not more, um, than let's say in-person bullying. So, um, so this is a very real thing, and bullying is also linked to anxiety, depression, addiction, um, behaviors, trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, and I see that in my practice a lot. Um, so. Uh, the studies are up to 800% increase in cyberbullying um, with increased anti-Asian, um, anti-Indigenous, Islamophobic, anti-Black, um, anti-LGBTQ. Like there's, you know, all, all of, um, uh, we've seen upticks in that um, and, uh, and a lot more hate online as well. So uh, this is a conversation every parent needs to have with their child, I would say. Every uh, parent should ask their child, um, um, I hate to say it, not when, but not if, but when you might um, uh, see this, um, either directed at yourself or someone else, what do you do? Um, And so there's a couple of things that you can do. Uh, One I say is called cyber backing. Um, So if it's a mean comment and, um, uh, you know, you can feel free to put out positivity. Um, You could put um, you know, you can, if, you know, let's say someone posted a picture and there's a bunch of mean comments, you can say, you know, I think that's a nice picture um, or you look great. So, you know, you could, you could use yourself, your energy to try to change the tide. So that's cyber backing sometimes. And especially for younger kids, um, you know, I say you do nothing um, because uh, they need guidance. Um, and so, you know, it's better to have uh, no presence, um, and then tell a trusted adult, like a teacher or a parent, to manage it. Um, if you're the victim of it and it's coming repeatedly, you actually want to take a screenshot. Um, you want some evidence of what um, has been coming your way because a lot of times it can be denied, um, and especially things like Snapchat, which have a 24-hour mm-hmm. 
and then they're gone. Um, so you do want to do that um, if that's important. And again, talk to a trusted adult. Or, um, uh, and in many schools now, they're having policies uh, for it. And that's a bit gray because if it's done at home, schools are like, well, it's not really our responsibility. Um, but let's say it's regarding a school event, um, you know, it's a basketball game or something, um, then it does become school responsibility. So, um, you know, kind of understanding the parameters uh, around that. Uh, and uh, I would say that, um, and then there's controls, right? So you can block certain people, um, you can limit, um, uh, you know, incoming um, messages uh, from certain people. You can get off social media, just take a break from it, um, you know, which uh, I think is a really good option uh, for a lot of people. I myself took uh, a summer, you know, this last summer, um, which is interesting because, uh, you know, I I um, I have a book on technology out that's out there right now and it's in Costco and different stores and I'm supposed to be taking pictures and I kind of took a break myself for the last two months in, in terms of uh, posting and it's just a healthy thing to do uh, because we can't always be on. Um, and uh, I think we and kids do feel they always have to be on, um, you know, and not maybe if it's not even bullying, it's just being polite. Uh, I had a young girl in my practice who was spending two, three hours a day just liking and commenting on her friends because she was just trying to be polite to all the people in her life. But it was taking her an extraordinary amount of time um, and was leading you know, to burnout and stress. So. Uh, yeah, this, um, I think uh, the topic getting back to the cyberbullying is one every parent uh, wants to have with their child um, and also uh, understand what are the school policies um, and what are some steps I can take to, to help my child when they, in, when they come across it. Yeah, uh, you know, you said something really interesting about you taking time off from your social media for two months. Um, I've done pretty much done the same thing. I've said, you know, I don't need to post. I don't need, I've been really off it for uh, for about three, three and a half months. So much so that I got so many messages. Are you okay? Because I would post something every, you know, something in the morning and then something at night before going to bed. And then now it's rarely I post that. So, you know, children model behaviors that they see around them. So, I mean, if parents, if we, if parents and caregivers are constantly on their devices or have, or have the television and, you know, and the background at home all the time, what advice now would you give to the parents? Right. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, you know, we know that children are more influenced by what we do than what we say, um, even though we want to say all the right things, um, sadly or stressfully, it's what we do that makes more of an more of an impact so our role modeling is absolutely key um so uh, but that doesn't mean we can never go on our phones in front of our children uh, that's not realistic so uh you know what i say is um you know have the conversation and tell them so uh you know i'll give an example like if i'm at um, the other day i was in a parking lot and um uh, we, my son went to grab something from the grocery store and I'm in the parking lot with my other two kids and I go on my phone um, and I say, look, I'm not playing video games. I'm not checking TikTok or Instagram. I'm actually paying the grocery bill um, and then I'm booking your dental appointments. Um, so, you know, we can explain to them that, you know, my screen time right now 
um, is uh, this is what I'm doing. Um, you know, I'm doing my adult behaviors. I'm doing my parental behaviors. I'm doing maybe healthy tech. I'm not zoning out, like I said, playing video game or on social media. So I think that's one is we don't have to be perfect all the time, um, but we also have to role model certain um, parameters. So, you know, I, I call for what's called house rules um, uh, in uh, in terms of kind of some basic rules for the family. Um, and I wonder if um, I can pull them up here. Let's see. I had them loaded or I think um, Meninder was going to, she was kind enough to say she could post them up here. Uh, let me try to share my screen again. I'm pretty sure I have them. Aha, here they are. Yeah, here we go. Um, so these house rules create screen-free areas. Um, you know, it could be the kitchen table, the car is a good place not to have um, screens because uh, you don't want them driving anyway. Bedrooms, screen-free time, so meal times, homework, um, you know, reading before bed, put a family charging station in an open area like the kitchen, turn off screens when they're not being used, um, uh, including background TV, uh, shut Wi-Fi off, um, notifications, I think are really important to shut, shut off, uh, bedtime. Uh, you know, we want to avoid that blue light for two hours before bedtime, take a digital day off. Um, and I think really importantly, forgive yourself, uh, if you fall off the tech, um, you know, a healthy diet and it's okay. It's part of life. Just like food, we fall off uh, and we, you know, we, we forgive ourselves and we get back on. Um, so having some basic house rules and trying to stick with them uh, I, are, are really, um, uh, I think, important uh, parts of uh, our uh, role modeling uh, behaviors. So, Dr. Kang, there's been a question here, which I think you have answered, but I just want to read the question just in case there's something else you wanted to add to it. And this is Kulvinder saying, he's saying, he or she is saying, Dr. Kang, some of this should apply to grown people as well who don't have a balance with their phones. Waking up and sleeping with them, what techniques may help? Well, what techniques may apply to them? Right, right, right. So, um uh, uh, sorry, say that question again. I was just typing something in the chat as well. Go ahead. Uh, it said some of the care should apply to grown people as well um, because you don't have a balance with their phones um, and they're waking up and sleeping up with them. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, um, there's a lot in there um, in terms of, uh, we, uh, so there's this also, some, there's also the electromagnetic, um, fields, right? So, mm -hmm. um, that's why we want to sleep with our phone in airplane mode or off completely. Um, and because otherwise we, uh, you know, we're exposing ourselves to, uh, EMF and now there's a lot of conversation about 5G. Um, and I don't, I can't say, uh, that we have enough data to say exactly what's happening. Uh, but um, that's one recommendation is to just shut it off. Um, the other thing is I have blue light glasses here and I don't know if other people use them, but um, again, not a lot of information on exactly which percentage filter or what you need, but trying to block some of that blue light, especially at night is um, quite helpful. Uh, and then when you wake up and you are, um, when you go to bed checking your phone or you wake up checking your phone, uh, what you're doing is you're triggering 
triggering what's called a stress response in your body right away. Um, you're that freeze, fight, or flight. So you're waking up um, and you're entering that sympathetic nervous system that's fueled with adrenaline and cortisol. It's super stressful. Um, and you're turning that on. And now it's on all day long. Um, and then you're going to bed with that on. Um, and that's why it's so important to have, uh, you know, if we think of sick key rituals where you actually wake up and you do fives and you go to bed uh, before after you've quieted the mind. Um, and these ancient uh, wisdom, I think, uh, is um, there's a real correlation with science um, that when we do um, uh, practice um, these, you know, these traditions, there's a reason behind it. Um, and how we go to sleep and how we wake up, these are key parameters of our health. Um, and I don't think that, you know, we've identified that um, enough. But I think, again, um, we just like we teach our children how to eat, we have to teach them even how to go to bed and how to wake up. Um, so because of sleep deprivation, first of all, there's they're too busy and too scheduled. And then when even they're are able to sleep. So many of my patients tell me they can't fall asleep. They're so wired and they, um, their phones have been like, you know, uh, they've been looking at the blue light or they're just so overstimulated and they're checking social media and then they think they're going to fall asleep. Um, so even the very basics we have to get back to. You know, we're going to, um, I have two questions, Dr. Uh, Dr. Pam, for you, which have come in and then um, we'll try and wrap this up in, you know, by, by noon. Um, so this one is, what are your thoughts on video games and how to go about navigating that in the kids' lives as well as their peers? Because all their play peers are playing as well. You know, that, Dr. Khan, is really um, what I have uh, even, I've uh, heard this because parents are saying, yes, they're playing, you know, they're playing video games with their friends all day, but I know all their friends, I can hear their conversation and I'm good with it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think in the pandemic, we all relied on video games a bit more. Uh, my son certainly did play more video games. Um, but again, video games aren't all the same. So uh, I think there's healthier video games. So I think video games that are more social um, are you want to favor those as opposed to first person shooter games where, um, you know, your child is not interacting with anyone, um, mm -hmm. just the screen. Uh, whereas uh, with my sons, I've guided them towards um, sports games like, um, you know, uh, NHL or, or hockey or FIFA or soccer. Um, so uh, first, uh, nonviolence um, is one is one um, general guideline instead of the violent shooter games. Um, and then second is social. So now they're interacting with their cousins and friends uh, versus isolated. And then in that social, actually, kids often can either interact with strangers or people they know. Um, so that's the third part is the social part is um, yeah, people you know so that you're forming bonds as opposed to uh, strangers. And I think that um, there's been a lot of benefit. I've seen my my kids um, connecting with their cousins in, you know, um, England or or um, Canada across, and and they've ma managed to maintain those relationships. The other thing that we know about gaming is there's something called divergent play um, and convergent play. Um, so I talked a lot about this um, in my first book and my research where. Um, 
divergent play is like Lego. It's open-ended. Um, it's actually really good for our brain. So um, old, like old school Lego where you're just building something and it's you're, you're in control, you're the leader, that that actually develops this part of our brain, the frontal cortex. So some games like Minecraft are like that. You know, they're, they're very creative um, versus what we call convergent where um, it's, let's say, like a slot machine. There's not a lot of creativity. You're just pressing a button, and they're highly addictive. Um, something like Candy Crush uh, is a very addictive game. Even a lot of seniors are playing it. Um, so it's not about the gaming. Again, it's the type of game and understanding all those ingredients. Um, and then I have to say there's some basic even things um, like posture. So if you look at the gaming posture, um, you know, I have a, a screen I'm going to show you because I think it's really worth looking at one moment here. Um, there's a gaming posture that we see and um, it's, uh, hold on once I have it right here. Right there, look at that. So this is not a this is not a healthy posture for our bodies to be in. Um, it, it's like we're in a cave, um, and our nervous system is like, why are you crouched in a cave? Um, is there a predator? Is there a, a hurricane? Um, and it'll fire a stress response just based on prolonged sitting and that prolonged poor posture. Um, so there's a lot of hidden stressors, um, you know, that we, we, we haven't even, you know, there's so many layers to, to it. But um, so again, there's things we can do if your kid's a gamer and get them to stand up, um, you know, have a standing desk or put some textbooks on and say, okay, you can, you know, we're going to limit how long you're sitting for. You have to stand up, um, uh, you know, drinking water instead of sugary drinks um, and junk food, which often goes with it. Um, picking games that are social and with those categories, um, you know, and even stretching your back afterwards. Um, all of these things can help. Um, you know, and because it is part of many kids' lives, and I don't think it's realistic to think it's not going to happen. Um, but we want to guide them to do it in a healthy way. You know, that's great. I mean, because you've given us some tangible things to to work with and what we can do. With I, I think we we don't. It doesn't come naturally to us. You were listening to Sick Cast by Sick Research Institute illuminating every path.